0: This is, first of all, an act that is done by request. Um, it is something that is requested uh, by an individual toward a church. It's usually not the other way around where a church uh, initiates the process, but uh, the individual usually does. Um, and so, uh, as we are looking at this, I want to share the scriptural qualifications uh, according to the Bible and then a charge uh, to both the individuals and their families. Uh, and I. You know, this was not planned, uh, the timing of this, to coincide with our own process of selecting elders in our church. But I could not have asked for a better uh, coincidence Uh, for us as we are ordaining these two individuals. We cannot help but understand and reflect on these scripture passages very much being the, the directive for us as a church when we are selecting elders in our own body, in our community. And so uh, I think that this is very pertinent to our congregation to listen to this, uh, and to think about this and guide our prayers as we are selecting our individuals uh, for our own church. So first, let me take you to First Timothy 3. I want to read for you the qualifications uh, of elders. And then I will take you to the text of which will be the basis for our charge. Chapter 3, verse 1. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. And so it starts with these men wanting to be elders. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. It means they make right their wrongs, the husband of one wife, which they are characterized as devotion to one woman, sober minded, self controlled, respectable, hospitable and make others feel comfortable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace and to a snare of the devil. And so that is the First Timothy 3 qualifications, and both of these individuals are men we have known uh, for a number of years, uh, George Shrek, uh, probably a sum total of around 20 uh, years that many of our church have known uh, George and his family, uh, Jose, we have known close to five years, not quite, but close to five, around four and a half, Jose, where are you at? Thank you, <laughs> thank you. I'm going to be looking for you all day, so I don't save me a little frustration there. Uh, And so, uh, both of these are individuals that we have observed uh, for a while uh, in various uh, circumstances and uh, relationships in our church body. And so, we want to examine and have examined these men in light of 1 Timothy 3, uh, in light of our experiences with them. And so, we have uh, saw fit to continue to present them to this church body, where the act of ordaining is actually done here. It's done by our prayers, laying on of hands. And so this is a long prayer service, guys. Uh, and, and so I just want to prepare you for that. Uh, and I encourage you, as we do have prayer, you pray for these men. Even though you may not be actively called upon to lay of hands, uh, Everyone here, if you're a believer or follow Christ, you also are to be praying for these individuals. And so I want to take you to Acts, uh, Acts chapter 6. This is where we find ourselves as we study the book of Acts. We've been going through that before Christmas. And so we are beginning now again to get back to this book study. And it just so uh, falls on the life of Stephen. Stephen was called, set apart to be a deacon. I understand uh, we're not setting apart deacons. But I think there's much in Stephen's life which is commendable uh, for a pastor, an elder. Uh, And so I want to bring out some of these characteristics. And he was a preacher. In fact, he's one of the few preachers in which his sermons is included in the Bible. Paul, Peter, Jesus, Stephen. Uh, His sermons are recorded here for us to think about, reflect, and to consider. And so, as we read this, I want to just bring out how Stephen was filled with certain things. We've learned before as we study this idea of being filled, it is to say that you are controlled by. When you're filled with something, this characteristic is directing you. Uh, and so, when you see that, uh, and you see that terminology frequently, most ref- most often referred to the Holy Spirit, it is to say that you are controlled by a certain characteristic. And so, I want to uh, read Acts chapter six. I'm going to be picking out different uh, parts, but I think that if we read the uh, first uh, seven verses, we'll get a, a, a first eight verses, we'll get a good su- summary. And so, let's stand as we read this together. Acts chapter six. This being God's Word, verses 1 through 8. Now, in the, these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists rose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. We're seeing this attack on the church throughout Acts, first on the outside, and then internal with Ananias and Sapphira, then on the outside with the priest, then, once again, internally, here in Acts 6, you see a cause for disunity and splitting. So what did they do? Well, verse 2, And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word." And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurius, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them, which is what we'll be doing today. And the end result, the word of God continued to increase. The number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith, which, by the way, Jose and George, that is what our prayer is here. Why do we do this? We want to see, verse 7, the word of God continue to increase. We want to see the numbers of disciples multiplied greatly in Pennsylvania and in Nightdell and in our area. And we want to see many become obedient to the faith. That's the goal here. It follows Acts eight, And Stephen full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. You may be seated. I want to bring out quickly five characteristics of Stephen, what he was filled with, with the prayer that George and Jose, that you would be filled with these same characteristics, And as we pray together as a congregation, let's make this our prayer request for them that they be filled with these five characteristics. They are already exhibiting these five characteristics, which is why we are here. We're praying that it continues. First of all, you see in verse 3 that these were men known. Known by the church. We're proud to say and we're glad to know that these two men are men Known. Known by the church. But, you know, it's very important what you're known for. Right? We know a lot of people. You don't want to be known drunkard. All right? Not just to be known, but known for something. Well, we see that it's good repute. What made them of good repute? Well, first of all, they are full of the Spirit. Verse 3. They are to be controlled by the Spirit of God, I think maybe it's helpful for us to remember what is the opposite. All throughout the Bible, in Galatians and other passages, in Romans, you see that the opposite of being filled of the Spirit is to be filled with your flesh, which is another way of saying being controlled by your natural desires. You are called as believers not to be controlled by just what you want to do. You're controlled by what God wants you to do through the Holy Spirit. You men and any believer in Jesus Christ do not belong to yourself. You belong to Jesus. You've been bought by Him. Therefore, the Spirit of God is to control you. This is a very intentional act that we do every day. Church, pray that these two men would continue to be yielded, controlled By the Holy Spirit. And then we find that they are full of wisdom. So you're going to have life filled, controlled by the Spirit of God. We want to have wisdom in our life. To be controlled by wisdom. What does that mean? When you read the book of Proverbs, and you read it in conjunction with the book of James, which they go hand in hand, wisdom, listen, wisdom Is to see the beauty of God's authority in every stage of your life. All right? Wisdom is to see the beauty of God's authority in every stage of your life. Proverbs says over and over again that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So wisdom starts off with recognizing God is in control. It is his authority that matters. And James goes on and describes what wisdom is to look like and that is peaceful and pure in fact he says if you want wisdom pray for it but you must pray not out of a double heart in other words with hearts with dual allegiances that you understand the authority of God you are under that authority of God you pray that way and you see the beauty of God's authority that's wisdom guys you're going to be called to work among people that do not want the authority of God and part of counseling and you'll be called on to counsel whether you want to or not. Part of counseling is helping the people come to you and helping them to see the beauty of submitting to God's authority. Usually what's happened to counseling situations situation is they've rejected God's authority and now they're reaping that. And they don't like the authority of God. Wisdom shows the beauty of God's authority. You want to be controlled by it. Church, let's pray that they are filled with, controlled by wisdom and then you go down to verse 5 they chose stephen a man full of faith and of the holy spirit those two go hand in hand by the way you cannot be holy spirit filled without having faith and you cannot be faith filled without also being holy spirit filled they go hand in hand and so what is The opposite of of wisdom, I would say, is that you are a man controlled by your own authority. Don't do that. Acknowledge God's authority. What is the the opposite of faith? Well, it's unbelief. It's sin. The opposite of sin is faith. And the opposite of faith is sin. It's it's not just unbelief. It's sin. And so to be full of faith, uh, as Hebrews says, is to believe with conviction of the unseen and the not yet, and that the unseen and the not yet controls what is seen. So that when you look at life, you will understand that an under every problem is a spiritual root. And that the answers to your life will be of a spiritual dynamic, a man filled, controlled by faith. Let's pray that George and Jose will be controlled by faith verse 8 Stephen was full of grace and power controlled by the grace of God controlled by the power of God now I would just add here uh, this does not come but by prayer for these two men to have the power of God working in their life, to be anointed by God's power, God's grace. You notice what it did here for Stephen? Stephen did great wonders and signs among the people. Evidently, were there signs of power, of healing, that brought attention to the gospel. That doesn't happen but by God's choosing. But what we can pray for is that these two men would have God's power in their ministry. We're going to have a time of laying on of hands. I think about Elisha. Elisha was following Elijah, the prophet. And Elisha said, said Elijah, would you give me a double portion of your power? And Elisha said, I can't do that. That is for God to give. But I tell you this, you'll know that God grants this if you see me depart And Elisha saw Elijah depart up in a chariot of fire and the cloak fell down and Elisha took that cloak and it was a picture, a mantle of the power of God on Elisha's life. It was a work of God, but it started with a prayer. Jose, George, pray for God's power. You see, the opposite of this is your own work, your own efforts. And we've seen and Bible testifies that God's power can do more in just one moment than a thousand years of our own effort. Pray for this. And then we come down to chapter seven. I'm going really fast forward here. And in chapter seven, you see verse 53 verses. That is Stephen's sermon. I'm not entirely sure how long it would take to preach that. Probably as long as what we've done already. But one of the things that strikes you as you read Stephen's sermon, it is that he is summarizing the entire Bible (laughs) to to this point to bring you to Jesus. We don't really get any word that Stephen prepared for this. It was just at a moment of... Of harassment a moment of persecution a moment when he is called out by the religious authorities of the day and he says simply stephen explain yourself why are you teaching what you're teaching and so these this man just goes through and gives a bible synopsis here's what i would say to you based on this example some of you think, well, you know, Stephen was a deacon. He didn't have to do it. He didn't have to be a man that was given to prayer and to the study of the Word of God. He was, his job was to do it so that the apostles could do it. But you know what? That's not an excuse. We always are to be filled with the Word of God. And so I would say to you, Jose, George, let your minds be filled with God's Word. Let your minds be filled with. As an example of Stephen, at any given moment in time, as the Bible says, there ought to be explanation for what you believe scripturally. Why do you believe what you do? This is accumulation of your life. Every once in a while someone will ask me, how long did it take you to prepare that sermon? And it varies according to week, according to what pressures are going on in my week. But then there are some sermons I say to you, it wasn't done in a week. The culmination of life. Of absorbing the word of God, thinking through it, and sharing it. Jose knows that we've been memorizing Colossians 3 as a staff. That's not given to you as a final. That's given to you as a start. Take it, continue this habit, work through it, because it will be called upon in your life. Scripture memory. Don't be filled with your own ideas. That's the opposite of this. Filled with the truth of God's word. And then, at the end of the sermon, what what does the end result of a life filled with grace, God's power, of Holy Spirit, filled with faith and wisdom and the word of God, what does that bring you in this world? Well, verse 54 Culmination of Stephen's life. When they heard these things, they were enraged. And ground their teeth at him. And they go on to kill him. Don't expect this world to reward you for being controlled by God's wisdom, his spirit, his word, faith, and power. They'll hate you. They'll reject you. You will make people mad what do you do the final characteristic i would bring to your attention is verse 55 but he full of the holy spirit gazed into heaven and saw the glory of god and jesus standing at the right hand of god i would have you and i would pray for you jose and george to have your vision filled with god's glory Have your mind filled with God, God's word. Have your desires controlled by the spirit of God. Have your experience being governed by the authority of God in wisdom. And pray for the power of God and his grace in your life. But let your vision, your future, be controlled by the glory of God. God, to say above all things that i want in my life all things that i could ask for and desire in my life i pray that god will receive great glory for my life sometimes it's hard to do when things are good when people are throwing stones (laughs) you're gonna be looking for something to look toward Besides the man with the stone in his hand. But when that man or woman rises up with a stone in their hand to throw against you. The temptation is to look solely at them. And that will not produce what you need. It will produce fear and be a man pleaser. Anxiety. Do not look at the one throwing the stone. Look at the one who's called you, who's filled you, to whom you are going. Have a vision filled with the glory of God. What does that do for us? And I would say to you, that's not just George and Jose. This is for all of us. When that happens, I'd like to read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 18, this is what was read at my ordination. What happens when we see the glory of the Lord? And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. What happens when you look at the glory of the Lord? When you see the glory of Jesus, it changes you. It is the power of for sanctification is how you change become more christ-like is having a vision of jesus if some of you are wondering why am i not changing my life how am i still stuck in some of the same ruts of sin it could be of what you are looking toward what your vision is is your vision your own comfort is your is your vision your own leisure or is your vision jesus christ and to pray god show me the glory of jesus christ when you are looking and and letting your mind be filled, and entertained, and uh, challenged by the vision of Jesus Christ, it has a side effect of changing you to be more Christ like. This is done through the Spirit of God. As it says, this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Therefore, chapter 4: therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Even if someone's throwing stones, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word because we're filled with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus, who is the image of God." So how does that veil get removed? For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, how do people in Pennsylvania get the veil removed? It's by George and Michelle having Jesus Christ shining in their heart that they preach not themselves, but preach Jesus Christ. And when Jose preaches Jesus Christ with Jesus Christ filling their life, then light is shining out of darkness and shining in the hearts to give light of the no- knowledge of the glory of God. But we have this treasure. In jars of clay. To show that surpassing power belongs to God and to not to us. Hosea and George will tell you they're just like you. We've known them long enough to know, yeah, they are like us. They've got their, their failings, their limitations, they're human. Which makes it all amazing that God would use them to proclaim the glory of God. Why does God give this ministry to such normal people? Because it shows that the powers of God, not from some great mind, some great ability, it's from God. So, Jose and George, you may be afflicted in every way. You may get crushed. You may get perplexed, but not driven to despair. You may get persecuted, but you will never be forsaken. You may get struck down, but you will not be destroyed. You may always carry in the body of the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus will may be made manifest in your body. You who live are always being given over to death, George, Jose, but you're doing it for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in Jose and George. So death will be at work in you, but life is in you. You see, you're called to something so much greater than yourself. And so with this thought in mind, I want us to go in prayer, now that we know how to pray for them. Pray that they be filled with God's Spirit. Pray that they be filled with God's wisdom. Pray that they be filled with faith. Pray that they be filled with God's grace and power. Pray that their minds will be filled with the Word of God. And pray that their vision will be filled with the glory of Jesus. We're going to go in prayer. I'm going to ask if Jose and Anita, if you'll come, and George and Michelle, if you'll come now, they're going to be sitting right here at the front as they make the way. This is, um, I know that there's many of you who wish you could pray for them in this public setting, and not everyone can, but we're going to ask that those who have been ordained uh, previously by a gospel, believing, teaching, Bible teaching church, if you have been ordained, uh, that if you would come, and uh, I think the best way maybe is to form uh, the start line uh, on this way, and we'll pray through, and you can depart that way. Uh, That way we can pray for uh, each couple. You may be seated, uh, George and Jose family. Um, If you will pray for each as a couple, God sees them as one. Uh, and so instead of having individual prayers over each, pray for together as a couple uh, as we go. And so at this time, we'd like to go in a season of prayer. And so if you will join us in prayer for these four, those who are ordained, if you'll come forward now. Amen. amen. I'm going to ask if George and his wife and Jose and his wife will come and stand now. Just like to read to you the certificate that we are giving to them. We, the undersigned, upon the recommendation and request of the Green Pines Baptist Church in Knightdale, North Carolina, which had full and sufficient opportunity for judging the God given gifts, Christian experience, call to the ministry, and views of Bible doctrine, hereby certify that George Shrek and Jose Martinez was solemnly and publicly set apart and ordained to the work of the gospel ministry by the authority and order of Green Pines Baptist Church. And being members of this church, if this does indeed echo your own heart, your thoughts, would you signify that by saying, Amen. Amen. Amen.